it's Cofield and Company. No one, and I mean no one, is going to outwork this guy. The man has unstoppable energy. Steve Cofield. We like Steve. <laughs> but we don't love Steve. It's Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. And we know it because we feel it in our bones. Here we go. Friday, 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 Friday. Some of us are ready to go, right? Willie Ramirez is here. He is the company. Family Toyota Studios. Let's do it. It's the three on Cofield and Company. What do you think that Hunter Renfro and his family woke up today and they were like, yeah, Friday, 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 <laughs> Friday. That's a good Friday, huh? It is. And and that thing came across at my, uh, my peak time of the day, 4 a.m. I saw that tweet. I was up bright and early, and I saw that move. Um, so, yeah, I, and, and I'm wondering if they waited until after mandatory minicamp. We had we had Hunter. <laughs> we would have grilled everyone. We had Hunter available. We would have grilled all the players about the value well, of Hunter Renfro's contract. All, and are you jealous of the money Hunter's making? Not all the players, but we might have said, uh, hey, Darren, about that extension. Of course, yes. That would have been the natural one. Yeah, so I, you know, I think there's 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 a couple of ways to look at this. Um, you know, it's good for Hunter Renfro. It's it's sure it's a sure sign of the the Raiders investing to 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 a degree. But uh, okay, they're going to step up for Darren, or yeah, when does the spigot, is this the last season as a Raider? When does the spigot stop? Does it get turned off? Uh, and we'll get into is this the best way to invest the money? Um, on average now, two years, $32 million extension on average now. Uh, Hunter Renfro will be making about 11 mil a year. So if you just want to do the averages, you got 40 mil invested in two receivers. We'll break all that down. I know Devontae Adams is freaking thrilled about Renfro. He likes being around him. He talked about him a lot the other day, just about for a young guy, just how smart he is. But as far as talent and ability, I mean, it's really similar, if, you, if, if I'm keeping it real. Derek's arm strength, and, and they throw the ball a lot different. Like, Derek is going to fire it in there, and you, you're going to know that thing's coming quick. And Aaron's got the ability to just kind of tighten that core up and just flick the ball to you. So the, the release is a lot different, but being able to get the ball to you late, you know, if they see you coming out of a break, not many quarterbacks can get it to you before you get to the sideline, you know, if you're outside the numbers already. But having two guys like that with really strong arms and understand the game and um, you know, the mental part of it is a, another similarity that they have. So good news. Another one of the uh, Raiders star players signed 32 mil extension. We'll get into this more the uh, value of the contract, the way the money is being spent, the relationship between Derek Carr and Hunter Renfro, Devontae Adams and Hunter Renfro. Uh, only beef we know of between the top two receivers on the Raiders is on the golf course. So we'll also get to the comments from Devontae Adams after uh, Renfro had said last week that uh, they had played and he beat him. So let's talk about some beefs. Let's talk about some beefs that are going on. First of all, I didn't see any of this. I don't know where the hell you found it, but social media beef, is this a discussion that's going on? Because uh, unfortunately, two of the fellows involved in the discussion that you want to have have passed. Yeah. Is there something going on with greatest singers? What's the category here? I believe it was Ryan Clark uh, that started it, 
he he had put a he threw it out there. Just who's better, Michael Jackson or Chris Brown? And it took off. Um, I saw it on social media throughout the week, and then this morning on the national show, bright and early, as I was reading about Hunter Renfro's contract, uh, Keyshawn J. Will Max, they were all going about it, and of course. I believe it was Keyshawn was weighing in with my specific thought was, uh, okay, we're talking about these two, but we're not going to bring in the conversation. We're not going to bring Prince into the conversation. So, yes, this has been an ongoing thing. Who is better? I believe it's a better entertainer or just overall better, uh, Michael Jackson or Chris Brown, which I don't feel is any contest whatsoever. Um, but I am a, I am not a – Non Michael Jackson guy, but I am one hundred percent a pro Prince guy. Um, so am I. I would have, for various reasons, I would have uh, maybe character. <laughs> I, I was bringing character to the question that I would have Prince on top. I would have Michael Jackson second. Chris Brown wouldn't be in my top million. Well, as far as who I've seen in person, yeah. Um, have you seen all three in person? I've no, 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 no. Um, I've never, I never got to see Michael Jackson. Um, Vegas wasn't. He came to Vegas when he was with Jackson Five, and he was younger, but never when he was like an icon. Because you can imagine, Vegas was not big enough for Michael Jackson back then. If you were going to see Michael Jackson, you had to go to L.A. Isn't that crazy? Right now, he, now, now we have the venues. Now we'd have to do two shows at Allegiant. Right? He could, he could easily do two shows at Allegiant. Easily. But I saw Prince, and um, for two different eras, and I think you got a taste of it. Uh, last week, last weekend on PBS, but f- the two greatest entertainers from 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 decades upon decades on um, Smash together, um, live entertainers, and this has nothing to do with family or blood ties. The two greatest entertainers in every aspect that I've ever seen, being able to play instruments. Prince is self-taught on twenty-six instruments. Huh. Um, to see performance would be Prince and Paul Anka. The one person that I regret never getting to say in terms of entertainment was Sammy Davis Jr. And as far as singing and crooning, Frank Sinatra. Now, I've seen some great talents growing up in Las Vegas, obviously. I've seen some great lounge acts that, that outweigh a lot of entertainers. Um, but you're throwing Chris Brown in the mix, and I get it. He can dance. He can sing. I'm sure he's a good entertainer. But you're talking about the guy that's labeled as the king of pop. You're talking about, I mean, to compare him and Michael Jackson, I just don't think that you can do that. And then again, again, like I said at the start, you can't have a conversation about GOAT if Michael Jackson in the conversation and not include Prince. So we got a poll question up at ESPN Las Vegas. Who is the GOAT? We're talking about entertainers. Who is the GOAT? Go answer the question. If you don't see anyone that floats your boat amongst the three that are on the list at ESPN Las Vegas, then fill in the blank, right? Give us a clue who you're talking about. Willie Ramirez is here. It's Cofield. All right. Real world beef. Everyone is alive for this one. I guess, for now, alive in the series, the Warriors are. <laughs> Warriors! Warriors! Which, that's that actually should be the next thing the Celtics fans do from the movie The Warriors. Remember that? Of course. I think I just watched it like two weeks ago. Come out and play! With the bottles. Right? With the bo- I love the freaking bottles. What was it? David Patrick? If you know that actor, because I looked it up during the movie, and I was like, I have no clue who that guy is. He was this tiny little guy with curly hair. All right. We'll get to it after the break. Quick time out here. Reset. Real world beef. Are the Warriors going to show up tonight, or are they more worried about what the fans are doing? 
Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. On the crowd's uh, response to Draymond, classy, very classy. We played in front of rude people before, dropping F-bombs with children in the crowd. Real classy. Good job, Boston. Draymond, how do you feel you played? Like Now, back to Cofield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Willie Ramirez, the company today, it's Steve Cofield, Cofield and Company. We'll get into a bunch of local stories, some events coming to town, being announced, the Raiders, Hunter Renfro contract, uh, Chris Matthews, 8 News Now will join us in about 13 minutes. You look snazzy today. Thanks, man. Thanks. Thanks. Now, if you follow us on Twitter, mm. you'd know that this is the time we're giving away. Another party pack for the UFC viewing party at Crazy Horse 3. 364-1100, Caller 7. Here's what you get. Admission for four. Free admission. Table set up. Get to watch UFC 275 tomorrow for free. And you get two bucks of beer. One of the best spots in town for obvious reasons for the sights and sounds of UFC Crazy Horse 3 on Russell, right across from the owl. Caller 7, 364-1100-364-1100. And a fantastic kitchen. And I'm glad people follow us on Twitter because uh, that was put up on Twitter, I think, today at 222. Told you. If you're listening, around 315, we'll try to do, try to do more uh, giveaways via our social media. So when we come back, as we take a timeout now, we will get to what's going on with Hunter Renfro in the contract. Chris Matthews will be joining us in about 10 minutes. We'll also get into the Warriors against the fans, which I told you before game three, if they're affected by Boston fans. You know, it's funny, Willie, maybe over the years, the Warriors really haven't had to face a vicious fan base in the finals. You think about the other finals, you know, facing Cleveland and Toronto, it's a whole different ball game. Listen, I don't like Boston, but I will recognize that Philly, New York, and Boston are hellish places when you're on the road, especially when you, and you heard it on the way back there, when you fan the Flames, which I love both Steve Kerr and Draymond, check that, Steve Kerr and Clay Thompson fanning the Flames by saying, stay classy, Boston. Then a half an hour later, Draymond Green walks into the press conference with his kid at his side and drops an S-bomb. I thought we weren't cursing. Finley Toyota. They'll do anything to sell you a car. No Toyota problem is too tough, too large, or too small. Keep your Toyota running like a Toyota. Uh, About ten and a half hours of sleep, a couple of dunks in the ice bucket, and that's about it for now. And then take advantage of the day and tomorrow to get completely ready for the game, get as much recovery and healing as possible. He's going to have to be Steph tonight, though, because he is there far and away the most prolific offensive player in this series. And it's hard to say that Steph Curry needs to do more, but I think for for the Celtics to uh, to have any problems with the Warriors on offense, it's going to take more from Curry. 
Now, back to Coalfield and Company in the Finley Toyota Studio. Studio. Starting off strong on a Friday, Cofield and Company with Ramirez here. Cofield, you hear a couple of different bites from the Warriors. I mean, the injury stuff at the end of the last game with Steph rolling around on the floor. I just the the, the diving and the flopping is just stupid. And then, of course, the Warriors coach Steve Kerr, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Oh, they're cursing at us. This is it's alarming. It's alarming. The bullies are being bullied, and they're wilting. Now, I don't know if they're going to win tonight's game. I think they'll come out and have a good effort. Let's get into this and a lot of Vegas issues. It was Chris Matthews from uh, 8 News Now. Chris, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing today? We're good. What do you think of how the Warriors, and maybe it's not going to turn into the whole series, but how the Warriors reacted to the Celtics fans being mean to them? Well, I thought that was interesting. Also, and even go back before that where you know they're talking about the different eras and bullying and what, you know, they, they aren't, they weren't tougher than we were or, or are now. Um, it, 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 it is what it is in the NBA. It's hard to watch the NBA anymore unless it gets to the finals. And sometimes that's even, uh, even questionable. How come? I, it's just, it's just a long season. No one cares to the very end. The players, it's just, let's, let's go out there and play a game of horse. They're, they're hitting threes. There's, it just seems like the game is not what it used to be in terms of. But see, I'm from a different era now. Um, maybe you know, maybe the maybe the game, maybe the audience, maybe everything's changed. But uh, you know, the plays, the the picks, the roles, the uh, the offense. Yeah, the Golden State does it somewhat, but I I just I just don't like the the game of horse popping threes from thirty feet and seeing if you can knock them down and roll them back the other way. It's just it, it's just not the game that I'm used to, and I kind of wonder, but but. But I say that, but audience numbers are still big with the NBA. So, you know, that's good news. Well, audience numbers, obviously, with NBA fans. But I guess my question to you, Chris, is in, in that – so in that respect, with your opinion, we always talk about the how the uh, – who changed the eras. For instance, the sort of the old fundamental ways were changed with Showtime and Magic and Larry Bird and Dr. J. And the next era was Michael with a transition to Kobe. Who do you? If we're going to give credit to players for changing the era to the to a positive and exciting time in Showtime and high flying dunks and moves like Kobe and, and and Michael, who are we putting the blame on in terms of this era and where the game has changed in your eyes? See, and I don't even know when you say blame. I just I just think it's a different game now for me personally. I I'm, I just you know it's it's great they hit the threes they knock down the thirty foot shots and. And you come down and make two passes, and someone throws up a three, and they walk, run back to the other end. But you know, I'm, I'm I come from that Malone, the uh, Bird, the uh, Michael Jordan, that you know John Stockton, the pick and roll, and, and that kind of era. So maybe that's what I'm used to. And I'm not I'm not uh, disparaging today's game at all. But for me, the game of horse in today's game, it's hard to watch the regular season until they get to you know the playoffs and the finals because then something matters it just doesn't and here's another thing back in those days you never saw michael jordan sit out games because you know maintenance days and so forth in in the nba that just didn't happen uh back in the time and so if you're a fan today it's what you're accustomed to what you're used to and it seems like it might be hard though when you you know hey hey son let's spend 300 bucks and go to a uh, golden state game and watch the uh, the lakers play the warriors oh shoot lebron's not playing tonight oh man steph curry's sitting out for a game 
that, that would not have happened back in the day. So it's kind of, it's just, it is what it is. But for me personally, it's not the NBA game that I grew up with. So it's kind of hard for me to watch until it does get to the playoffs or the finals. And then I'll start noticing and paying attention. Like I like the, uh, the finals right now just because it, you know, it's do or die. You got to win. Just like, just like anybody else, when it becomes to when it, when it becomes a must win game, an important game, it's a best of five or a best of seven. When that when that's on, then you start. I start really paying attention. So, with that said, we heard what LeBron said the other day, or at least on the trailer for his uh, shop show. Do we want the NBA here? See, I think it'd be fun. Now, that's because I'm in the business, and I would be, you know, another 42 days of of, of, of covering games and preseason and and all that. So, I would love that. And, and uh, I think, I mean, when LeBron says, "I want to, I want to own a team and bring it to Vegas," it seems like. Now you've taken two, three steps forward because the contacts that he has, the people that he knows, the people that would love to be associated with him in Las Vegas. And I, I, I start thinking of that uh, Tim Lewicki project out there by Blue Diamond where they want to build uh, an arena and they want to build kind of an entertainment complex around that arena. And I think it's supposed to be done in the end of 2024 or something like that. And I'm saying, hey, if LeBron wants to do it and they're going to build this arena, you watch. That will be where that thing will be uh, located. That, the Jackie Robinson's done, so we're not even talking about the All Met yeah. project anymore. But I say the uh, the Mark Bedane, Tim Lewecki, that group out there that's legit. And if LeBron's behind it and wants to bring it, I think it'll happen, and that's where they'll play. How do you think the T-Mobile people will feel? And you know, Bill Foley, the VGK owner, owns a pretty significant uh, portion, you know, part of the arena. Yeah, and Bill Foley has first rights of refusal in bringing any other events in there. If Bill Foley says, you know what, I really don't want to compete with the NBA, then that's then he will not have to compete with the NBA. Ooh, okay. It won't happen. Yeah, I figured you'd want to cash in and make the money off the NBA in the building as well. He could, and it just there are so many opportunities, but I, I still, you know, I kind of, I believe in that Lewicki group and the, the Bedane group out there, that Blue Diamond with the brand new 18,000 seat. And I've been reading uh, different articles too about how we could use one more big arena in this town which is crazy when you think about it <laughs> what are there seven right now that's crazy are there seven arenas in this town right now there's probably seven uh with an eighth <laughs> on the way that hold more than seven thousand it's it's pretty nuts it is crazy but i you know what it, i just have that feeling of if, if lebron's serious and he's behind it then you know why not now uh, steve like you said though the mgm is so powerful mm-hmm. and i know and even though bill foley has first right of refusal in the thomas and mac and bring an nba or any other uh franchise in there i mean we all know why allegiant stadium was built where it was built because yep. the mgm is powerful so i mean just so we'll see what happens yeah. but i'm still i'm gonna stick i'm gonna stick with my blue diamond uh okay. scenario. yeah you wonder how much power and say though the mgm has if there's no public money put towards the lightwiki bedane project uh, there you go. Yeah, that's a good point. Excellent point. Yeah, and, they're, and they're certainly they're gonna. The plan is to build it so far away from the south end of the strip, where you know I'm not gonna say it's not competition, but it's not like you're encroaching on their direct territory. Let's talk hockey here. Um, one, are you surprised by what a good job Gerard Gallant has done? And this is all happening as we're all waiting around to see who the Golden Knights are going to pick as a replacement for DeBoer. You know what? Actually, I'm not surprised when you think of Gerard Gallant because time and time again we heard when he was here with the players and that expansion and and all that went into that. How just he was such a great players coach. He demanded a lot. Uh, we, we you know we speak with these uh, 
some of these former players who are not on the roster anymore. He demanded a ton, but he was also your friend. He was also your coach. He was also uh, like a player's coach. So it's not surprising that what the Rangers are doing with Gallant there. In fact, wasn't it like three, four days ago where Gallant said that his roster in New York is better than the roster he had here in Vegas. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. And you know, if not for a couple of late goals by the Lightning, which, by the way, are, are still pretty talented, even despite the fact that we're on the fifth seed. But uh, that, I thought that was an interesting comment by Galan. I just, they, God, they could be up right now with, you know, 3-1 three, three, ready to win this thing. But it's just, uh, it's just how it goes with the Lightning. They are really, really good. Well, and, you know, the one thing I think you have to take in consideration, first of all, in terms of the coaching is, and uh, we had Dave Shane on the other day, and he he made an interesting point in that Gerard coaches the way he coaches, and, and it's straightforward, and there's no changing, no adjusting. You just stick to it, and, you know, it's like uh, Denzel Washington's comment in Remember the Titans. It's like Novocaine, just, you know, put get just stick to it, and it, it'll, it'll work. And... Um, with Gerard, with John Cooper, with Tampa Bay, he makes adjustments, and I think that's what he's done, and that's what we saw Barry Trotz do with the Capitals in the Stanley Cup Final after Vegas took a one nothing lead. He doesn't change. That all said, Gerard has this this way about him that draws the fans in. He still has a fan base, I think, in Las Vegas. You're someone who will always ask a Vegas-based question. That first year that a team's here, a player comes here, a coach comes here, you know, what drew you to Vegas? What was it about Gerard that, that stuck with you or resonated that just makes him so appealing and, you know, resonates to the fans and everybody else? You know, I thought... I. I thought he was the perfect coach for this franchise. We had all these new players, all these new faces. Mark Andre Fleury, the uh, you know the, the future Hall of Famer. He was able to kind of gel all this with almost kind of having that good old boy uh, uh, shucks, not not like a Gomer Pyle shucks, but kind of like just that good good down home. I'm here for you guys. When he would talk to the media, I forgot the I forgot the catchphrase he'd always say. But it was interesting. Um, what was that? I can't remember the catchphrase. But Gallant was just like one of the good old boys that uh, that's here coaching, kind of had a smile on his face all the time. Only rarely did he get fired up in those press conferences. And, you know, we've all asked questions. There was a few times that, that he got a little perturbed. But, uh, but I, I just, he, I, hey, we're rolling four lines out there. We're doing this and that. I mean, it was working for him, too, so that, that changes things a bit. But I just like the uh, kind of that down home guy, the new guy that uh, everybody could kind of gravitate to. He was accessible. Uh, you know, you see him walking out of the uh, the arena, and people are yelling, screaming at him. He's waving high fives. Remember, and they used to bring the guys in the front uh, initially, and he was just he was part of that Vegas expansion, and he was just a big smile, happy guy. And I liked, I really personally liked the guy. It was, I thought it was a shame they let go of him. In fact, they kind, you know, you go back to the Golden Knights, and here's what kind of bothers me. I like to. It'd be fun to talk to uh, Kelly McCrimmon about this because he said at one time that after all all the things the Knights went through in that first year with the uh, with the tragedy over at Mandalay Bay and and all the different things that happened, the expansion, the new players, and and just all these things that they they kind of bonded this team. But he says that it wasn't sustainable, and that's why they had to move on and and so forth. I thought, how do you say it's not sustainable? when you never really gave it a chance to be sustainable. That second year they went out and got uh, Pacioretty. But what would have happened if they would have rode with that for a few years with Flurry? Sure, he had the bad series. He had a couple of bad games. His father passed away. But can you really say it wasn't sustainable 
when it had never been done in the NHL. You never had an expansion like this. You had a Hall of Fame goal. You had guys in the locker room who cared for each other. They called themselves the Misfits. I mean, they, they, that was the locker room where after practices on the road, they'd all go out together and have beers and be together and talk. This team doesn't do that. So now, now who's going to come in here and find a, a way to gel these superstars? These, and, and, and they do have one of the best rosters, so they, they should get you know, back to the Western Conference Final or whatever. But I would have loved to have seen what would have happened if they would have let that ride a little bit, as opposed to saying, you know what, this wasn't sustainable. We had to start making all these moves. Cofield and Company on Friday, Chris Matthews, 8 News Now. Sports Wiz is up with us. All right, let's go back to where we started. I was talking about the fan behavior in Boston. Listen, Philly, Boston, New York, it can be rough. It can be nasty. When it gets to a point where a Lightning fan can't go to Madison Square Garden because he's going to get sucker punched, it's, uh, pretty, it's pretty outrageous. I know you were really mad when you saw that video. That, that is just so – we were talking about that last night for I saw that we had just get, we were just getting ready to do the 11, and I saw the video – I'm thinking, you know what? Don't sucker punch a guy. If you're going to square up, you can get in his face and square up. Hey, you know, what are you yelling? Right. What was the guy yelling? Whatever. Yeah. But at least get in front of the guy and say, hey, you want to do something? Maybe he walks around and you move on, and a couple of guys come in and break it up. But don't sucker punch a guy like that. Unbelievable that kind of stuff happening. They got him, though, right? They, they arrested yeah, him. Yep. That's good. I'm gl- and I'm glad they got it. Yeah. There's the one advantage of having all sorts of cameras all over town anymore. Rarely yep. will you get away. It's like the casinos here in Vegas. Yep. We all start a you know, deep diving investigation, uh, acting like we're the police or a PI, and uh, eventually they, they get the person. All right, let's, let's talk about the Renfro deal. This is real interesting. Um, you know, if you average it out, uh, the Raiders are going to pay two receivers now about $40 million. It's a hell of a story. Renfro's end of it. He gets an extension for 16 mil par. And, you know, I think some of us thought he could be a decent player in the National Football League. But, my God, he's blossomed into something special. You know, he really has. And you think of that, a fifth-round guy out of Clemson comes in here, 26-year-old guy, does what he does. Now he's the 20th highest-paid player on the team. Two years, $32 million. You mentioned the 21 guaranteed. That puts him right in company now with guys like, Keenan Allen, Cooper Cup, Tyler Lockett, and and you know what? You guys have talked to him many times, like I have. He just he's like that. In fact, it's funny. We have our Raiders show uh, during the fall on Sunday mornings with Brandon Marshall, the linebacker from Vegas, that played with the uh, Broncos and won that Super Bowl. But you know he's and the, Brandon calls him the bank accountant, and that's what he's kind of like. <laughs> he's not like a big football star. He's just the everyday man that you cheer for. He's he's like the Rudy, you know, the Notre Dame kid, but. I think he just embodies that Raiders spirit, what the Raiders were all about. That's what he is. In fact, McDaniels in the release today calls him uh, a leader, exemplifies the values of the organization. And, and you really can't argue that. Just a good guy. You're happy for him. And what was it last year? He came within one reception, one catch of uh, tying the great Tim Brown uh, of, re- of catches in a single season with 103. Brown has 104. So just a phenomenal year. So happy that he was a Pro Bowl player and, and then he's getting paid. He, he's, you know, it's paying off for him. Now, that, that offense should be absolutely awesome. Oh, before I go on, i got to say this about Willie. The other day, Devontae uh, Adams had those gold shoes on. Willie had the, uh, what was it, the red, 
white and a little bit of gold in it, was it, Willie? Your shoes were absolutely awesome. I should have taken pictures of. Them. I had red shoes with uh, with yeah with gold gold trim all around and on on the eyelets and everything, straight from the tailor, custom made. You you know how I do, Chris. But listen, I got to ask you. So you you were always the best dress, and that had to be those were the best shoes I've seen from any media member ever. Well, I have to open mini camp strong, you know. But uh, so you talked about Gerard Gallant. Let me ask you. You know, as I said, you you're always the the Vegas question guy. So what's your take on McDaniels? Do you, does he come across genuine, genuine, and how do you think he's going to be accepted from what you can see to this point? Yeah, that's kind of hard because we've only we've, we saw him in that press conference, and then just you know last week we had another press conference. What I think from McDaniels right now is he's kind of obviously he's matured from his days in Denver as a head coach with with that group and and just how he flamed out there goes back wins in, in New England again. Now is the time that he feels he can come out and be a head coach. And just from everything you're hearing from different guys, and even from him himself, I like the fact that he says, you know what, in that whole you know New England mentality, bring it out west in the desert and so forth, somewhat true, but I think he wants to always also be himself and establish his own deal. But I like the fact that he says, you know what, like on the offensive line, these guys are going to learn a couple of different positions because we're going to need them to learn a couple of different uh, positions. I like the, I like this, how he's building this. I kind of, even though it bothers me as a media guy, I do kind of like the fact that they are working behind the scenes, kind of incognito, almost a little secretive in, in what they're doing. They don't announce things, and it doesn't really get leaked out too, too soon. I mean, NFL Network guys and Ian and those guys, Rappaport with the NFL Network, they'll obviously get that stuff, but but don't you kind of like the fact that they're kind of almost business-like in their own way with Ziegler and, and uh, McDaniels working it? And, and it seems like, it just seems like they've done it the right way in a different way, and, it's, and, a, and it perhaps will work. Yes, I like it. I think it should be buttoned up. You don't need buffoonery. I will say, though, when you start to move towards what the Golden Knights do sometimes, which is fib, oh. that... that that will get on people, and I'm telling you, that's not making a good impression with the fans for the Knights either. Uh, Chris Matthews was right. Let's bang, bang, bang here. Let's talk about some events coming up. I know you tweeted it out. We have a gigantic soccer match coming to town on what, July 23rd? Yeah, well, this is going to be a lot of fun. You got July 22nd with uh, Juventus out of Italy, which, by the way, is the oldest and most decorated in the Italian league. So you talk about it was a you, know, you think of like UNLV. We live here in Vegas, and UNLV. They've been around since 1958, nothing. This team has been around since 1897. Uh, so they're going to take on uh, Chivas, or Club Guadalajara, Chivas, was, which was established in 1906. I did a little research on yeah, these teams. Yeah, of course, yeah. We've got to talk about it. But they've won 12 uh, Liga MX titles. Um, the only team, this Chivas team, is the only team that allows Mexican players to play on that team. So that's going to be fun. That's July 22nd. On July 23rd, you got Real Madrid established in 1902. They are your 14-time league champions. Uh, best club, really, voted the best club in the 20th century. Real Madrid, everybody's heard of them. Uh, FC Barcelona. So Barcelona established in 1899. I think, mean, you know, I, to me, this is kind of funny because they, they've been around forever, these teams. They compete in La Liga. Uh, owned by 137,000 members, so it's almost like Green Bay in a sense. So, this, so people own this team, Barcelona. Um, they've won 72 major titles, three FIFA World Cup, uh, whatever. I don't know this player. I got to look him up. But they have a player on the team called Pedri. Is that right? 
Anyways, the one of those one-name guys. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. That's on July 22nd, 23rd. But don't forget, before that, you've got uh, Chelsea FC on, on July 16th taking on Club America. Club America established in 1916, the winningest team in Mexico and North America. Uh, 34 major titles, six Copa titles, seven CONCACAF championship titles. So, I mean, when you think of what Las Vegas has done with the Legion Stadium and bringing all these major events that Steve Hill and all those guys talked about when they were, you know, kind of selling this project and this idea to the city and we need the money for this, boy, it just seems like it's paying off big time. The economic benefits will, that will come from these three soccer matches and that big weekend on the 22nd and 23rd, I think it's phenomenal. We all remember USA-Mexico last year in that CONCACAF thing, just how much fun that was, yep. packed over to Legion. So, you know what? It, it, this stadium has just changed the face of Las Vegas. And the whole goal is let's bring you know different folks to town, you know, different fan bases to town, maybe international fans, which brings us to what's going to happen next year with F1, which I, I think is one of the more fascinating stories in Vegas right now, how it's going to transform different parts of the strip and just to the East. And I think I, I personally, I know it's big. I don't think I realize the enormity of F1 and the money coming with it. That's it. When you think of the F1 and that worldwide audience where they go out and race in the most exciting cities in the world, you know, Monaco, Singapore, and in, in through Europe and just these fabulous cities. And now for Las Vegas to be in that mix, uh, Miami this year, Austin this year, and in 2023 around uh, the holiday, the Thanksgiving holiday, you got Vegas in that mix. And and we all saw all of all, all of us who live in Las Vegas saw that real slick promotional video that the F1 put together with all those drivers. And when they told the drivers that you're going to be racing in Las Vegas, you could almost see their faces light up, their <laughs> eyes get wide. Really on the strip. They, they were genuinely excited about the trip to Las Vegas. and In fact, one of the drivers even said, you know, I was planning on retiring, but I'm going to hold off my retirement until I can come race nice. in Las Vegas. And Steve, you mentioned that, that racetrack, the, uh, the track they're going to race on. Oh, what a phenomenal. By, that, by then, the sphere is all done. They're going to race around that, down the strip, and come back over there by where ice is, by the golf, uh, the, the golf thing over there by... Uh, what is it, the Koval and yep. that area? Yeah, Koval and Harmon um, and Topgolf. Yeah, 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 Koval and Harmon. I just think it's going to be really, really fun. The F1 is so committed. They already bought the land right there where that ice house used to be is. They're going to blow that up and, and do some stuff. In fact, we talked with the owner of the Ellis Island Hotel who was <laughs> meeting, it was either yesterday or maybe even today, meeting with some F1 officials about some different kind of plans and different things they want to do. So, you know, he's going to let us know what they're talking about and if we can meet with those people because nobody's really had a chance to sit down and just talk with an F1 official yet. So, um, But he's excited about what he's going to do on his property, benches and and, oh, yeah. and uh, all the way down that whole Koval. Uh, it's going to be, uh, uh, or what is it, Harmon, I mean. It's going to be fun, fun, fun. Yeah, enjoy the uh, front yard at Ellis Island now because uh, for race weekend it'll be like uh, you know $200,000 a ticket. Um, last couple of things. Chris, I appreciate you spending so much time with us, but Chris is one of the real you know established voices, longtime voices here in Vegas, and, of course, you can catch him on 8 News Now. Um, we know F1's coming. All those soccer teams and games are going to be here. What do you think of the coverage of the A's and this, I think it's ridiculous, this countdown of unnamed A stadium sites? They're going to name one at some point. Oh, it goes on and Stop. on. And I'm, 
I'm on the other side. A lot of people are optimistic. I, I, I maintain that it, that the Oakland group is just using Vegas as leverage yep. and to get what they want. So I'm totally saying they're not coming. They just keep they just keep telling us this and that and this and and we're going to build it over here. No, we want it there. We're gonna, oh, we have plans. Where are the plans? Well, we're going to release them soon. <laughs> I mean, they were supposed to release plans last. What was it? Right after the World Series. Right. Hey, right after the World Series. Right. Get ready because right. we're going to release these plans. You're going to love it. Sure. Well, there's nothing. Now here it is the middle of summer, um, and, and we haven't seen a thing yet, but they keep coming to town telling us they're meeting with, with this group and that group, and they're really close. It's all leverage, in my opinion. By the way, you just you just mentioned $240 million for uh, Koval and Harmon on a piece of land that's been available forever. The A's must have croaked at that point. They're like, wait, off the strip is $240. Uh, last one, Floyd Mayweather, a Vegas hometown hero, um, you know, has a, a mixed legacy for you. Unbelievable boxer, and he's actually been uh, very benevolent to Vegas and charities. Um, this is cool that he's going in the Hall of Fame, but for you, what's his legacy? I He is one of the most talented boxers I've ever covered. We started covering him in 96 when he, when he breaks out, and he's, who is this guy? Look how fast he is. He's a great defensive skilled fighter, and, and he, you know, he fought the best. Now, some of this, you know, there's an argument you can make. He fought some of these guys after their prime. That'll always be an argument, but one thing you can never take away from him was his perfect record. You know, he fought Manny, he fought Canelo, he fought uh, Marquez, he fought all these fighters, and was uh, wasn't the most exciting fighter, defensive fighter for sure. But I, I just I, I I appreciate the guy because of what he did and who he fought, and and I loved his early uh, toward the end of his career. He wasn't as uh, as uh, boastful or as proud in terms of, of trash talking. I kind of like. To be honest with you, I like the trash talking Floyd more because it was a lot of fun covering yeah. him. Just in terms of sound bites, he was like the early McConnor McGregor with what with the with the trash talking. So it made the the stories that we did on television, you know, more fun because you hear the the trash talking and so forth. But how about Oscar? Hey, could we have a second <laughs> Oscar as mayor of Las Vegas? No we uh, we're pretty crazy and pretty lenient when it comes to past <laughs> problems with mayors, but I think Oscar would have a tough time. <laughs> Passing the smell test uh, no after the last, the last seven years or so. <laughs> you, you don't think the uh, the knit stockings and some sort of a promotion would work? Hey, you know what? Like I, I mean, like I said, <laughs> we do everything in Vegas. We try not to be too judgy, so maybe he has a shot, right? <laughs> Chris, you're awesome, man. Have a great weekend. Thank you so much. Hey, thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So that was a laundry list of events that are coming to town. Freaking awesome. And it just keeps coming, right? And we have tickets. For a lot of these events, let's give away uh, tickets to a really cool event coming up at Orleans Arena on June 18th. Three Ice Hockey is coming into town. You can get information at 3ice.com. It's three-on-three hockey. Three-on-three hockey, goalie, right? So essentially, overtime, just the entire freaking game. You have a bunch of games going down at the Orleans. we got a pair of tickets right now. You can get your tickets, find out more information at 3ice.com. Call or 7364-1100. Join the conversation on Twitter at Cofield & Co. Now, back to Cofield and Company. I'm talking to my, my loved ones back home that are like, what's it been like? But I'm like, man, the respect that I got when I walked in the building, players, I pay attention to the players because sometimes, you know, competition comes in, you know, in the wide room, it may not be, you know, it's obviously going to potentially take away from some opportunities for other people and to see the way that they've kind of embraced me being here and, you know, using me as a resource and, just enjoying enjoying the company too. It's been it's been a great feeling. Rolling on on a Friday, that was Devontae Adams talking about uh, being welcomed 
with open arms, and it's a legit issue. It's a legit issue. Hey, when you have a lot of star receivers, including the tight end, how does everyone get along? What happens if targets all of a sudden get cut down by a lot? But Adam said everyone's been really cool. We'll address that topic with former Raiders defensive back, Stanford Route, in about 20 minutes. I know, Willie, you wrote about Patriots West. And the other day, Brandon Bolden was asked about, hey, is this going to be the same as the Patriots? Does this feel the same as New England with Josh McDaniels and Ziegler here? No, this is something totally different. Uh, Josh is going to put his own spin on things. Is it a a few things that, you know, we learned along the way? Because I was there with him a lot of the time. I mean, sure, but we're not trying to be New England. We're not trying to be like New England. We're we're the Las Vegas Vegas Raiders, and uh, that's what we're going to play as. And that's been pretty consistent coming from the Patriots folks, right? Yeah, I mean, for the most part, but from the guys that are learning the new system, it's been all you've heard is what they've been watching is yeah. Patriot film. Right. And they and the guys from the Patriots have an advantage over the guys who are you know new to these systems. Of course, they're going to have a head start, right? Right. Four o'clock hours on the way.